Hi, everyone. Welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. Today's show is going to be a fabulous one, and I just know you're going to appreciate uh, the conversation I have with my special guest, Lauren Smith. Before I take us there, I just want to ask again, would you please, as my faithful listeners, be willing to share this podcast with someone you know who would benefit, who would enjoy it, who would find it challenging or maybe just supportive and encouraging to hear uh, real live conversations on the kingdom of God within and our faith and ways that we can become closer to God in this day and age. So I would really appreciate anything you can do and any help with that. So today's uh, episode continues on in our series as I read aloud a few more chapters in the parable that I wrote. And then our special guest is Lauren Smith, and you are going to be uh, really amazed at how easily she um, takes off the layers of some of the the ways the enemy speaks to young people and how she has learned to discern the voice of God in an age of perfectionism. So can't wait for you to hear this series. Welcome back to Real Life. Chapter 7 David was relieved when Diane Edison agreed to a Skype call after his rude departure the week before. He liked the way her warmth came through the screen not like a business meeting or what he remembered as a kid when he talked to his pastor, like time was of the essence. This woman's presence was just that, fully present. I'm assuming you said yes to this invitation, David. I admit I'm scared of what I will hear. I I just have so many questions, I guess. As you climb the mountain of your spiritual journey past the trailhead, you will definitely be leaving behind your comfort zone. Is that what you're fearful about, to hear what God is after with you? I mean, I'm afraid of hearing how God sees me or thinks of me. I know how I see my life and how after my strongest efforts in work and in my marriage, most days it feels like sand sifting through my fingers. Is this what God wants to remind me of? God's not tricking you into meeting with him so he can mock you. He's after a relationship with you, and he's wanting you whole. Diane took a moment to collect her thoughts as she peered through the screen, looking at a man whose journey of grief engulfed him. She decided the best way to help David start walking this new trail was to share a sliver of her own journey. I've learned through my own sufferings that God is after testing my faith while the enemy is after destroying my faith. Diane could tell David wanted her to continue. She chose her words carefully. When my husband was 45 years old, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. After years of battling a mental disease we never fully grasped, he came home one night and ended a part of his internal torture by giving up on his job and his close friends. He sat in a chair and watched TV. Watching my husband of 25 years of marriage suffer was so painful that at times I couldn't distinguish between his anguish and my own. He died five years ago from a failure to thrive. That's what the doctors determined. David listened and then asked, I don't understand how you can even talk to me about God and faith. I'm just so sorry that that happened to you, but how are you not broken into a million pieces? Oh, trust me, 
The enemy was relentless, always has been with me when it came to my husband. He used guilt and control. I would wake up and hear, you aren't trying hard enough. It's because you're such a controlling spouse that your husband stopped believing in himself. For years after my husband gave up on life, I had to silence all the voices so I could only hear the voice of love. Voices? I'm not sure I'm following. All I hear is my own self-talk. What the voice of love says to me helps me hold on and some days move on. That's one of the reasons I do what I do today. It may sound trite to say victory is God's or that God wins, but I can tell you it's my reality. This kind of winning only happens on the inside by silencing the voices of destruction, discovering your own voice, and listening to the voice of love. So you're saying all at once you stopped feeling like a failure because you heard a voice. Diane gently laughed, shaking her head, saying, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, the pain doesn't entirely leave, and neither do the voices of defeat. What I'm trying to tell you, David, isn't only from my own experience. The enemy tries to destroy faith in multiple ways, and I get a front row seat to his show each time another precious soul shares his or her inner stories with me. You mean other people experience this overwhelming sense of failure that I feel? David asked in disbelief. Give me some other examples. Okay. I meet with a young mother who feels rage most days. She's an amazing mom. We identify how the enemy uses her passions to scream failure over her soul. That voice messes something awful with her self-perception, tempting her to think her children would be better off with another mother. Diane went on. One 53-year-old man who serves in a humanitarian role overseas faces paralyzing thoughts every single time he talks or interacts with his parents. The enemy bombards him with thoughts and memories from a lifetime of disappointing the very people he longs to please, even just once. Hold on. You're telling me these are religious people? I'm not seeing the connection. David, when a young professional sat in my office last week and told me he couldn't be a person of faith because of his sexuality, I told him that was the voice of the enemy. Living a moral life, making all the right decisions, aiming for perfection, being a good person, avoiding suffering, is not what creates faith in a person. I believe that's religion, not spirituality. Did each one of these people say yes to your invitation? No, not all of them. But those who did had to make some choices. David took out his paper and pen and wrote at the top, What I need to do to take this journey. Well, I'm ready for you to tell me what I need to do. As Diane Edison talked, he wrote down every word she said, but found it hard to believe it was so simple and obvious. Almost embarrassed, he asked, That's it? I mean, I just have to make these choices? As the screen darkened, David looked down at his notes and circled the three things he had to do. Number one, turn toward God. Number two, give God permission to work in his life. And number three, distinguish between the voices. He ripped the paper from the tablet and stuffed it into his pants pocket. 
Looking down at his watch, he realized he was late for meeting Ben to work out. Chapter 8 Ben was scrolling through his phone when David suddenly appeared and he thought he'd looked better than a few days earlier in the week. Looking good, bro. Ready to run? As Ben and David finished up their workout and walked over to the mats to stretch, David said, Thanks for the contact from your sister. Oh, you mean her wise friend? Tell me about it. What's it like to talk with someone about holy issues? Ben laughed while he gripped his right ankle, bending his leg in half to stretch his quad. Let me clarify that I'm not pursuing some kind of rules or religion. I just wanted to ask her about faith, you know, wondering how I got off track all those years ago. So, what'd she say? Anything that was helpful to you? I know you were pretty knocked around on that phone call out of the blue. It's not what she said so much that helped me. It's when she listed the three choices I have to make if I want to say yes to the invitation I've been given. David spoke the words, yet all the while felt a wave of shame pass through him. How could a grown man talk like this to another man, he wondered. Go on, I'm listening, Ben said reflectively as he switched legs. David turned toward the wall, leaned with both arms, and took turns with each leg as he stretched his calves. What came out of his mouth next was easier said, not facing Ben. Although the choices Diane mentioned seem simple enough, I gotta tell you, I've got so much to figure out before I can say yes to a spiritual journey. No matter who is inviting me, every morning I wake up feeling resistance like I know I cannot just give in. What are you trying to figure out? Things with my wife aren't what you think, Ben. If I were to be brutally honest, I stopped feel falling in love with her. I stopped feeling in love with her. I should have tried harder with her last year, but I didn't. There's so much discouragement between us. I'm not the person I should be, and I feel like she doesn't get me. Dude, you are seriously judging yourself. David turned to face Ben and saw the alarm on his face. What do you mean I'm judging myself? Who else is going to help me? Let's face it, it's all up to me. It was in that moment that David realized how transparent he was being with Ben and for a split second felt a deep sense of dread of being judged by his friend. How can you go in a different direction right now with the way you are seeing yourself? How am I seeing myself? As if you're all on your own. David shook his head knowing that's honestly how he felt for more, the, more years than he could admit. So what'd she say? You know, what are the choices? Ben asked with genuine concern for his friend. David unzipped his pocket in his workout jacket and pulled out a rip sheet of paper. The first one is to turn toward God, and the second one is to give God permission to work in your inner life. If making those two choices will keep you from being so hard on yourself, then give it a try, is what I say. David looked down at the paper in his hand and saw two action words, turn toward and give permission. With all his heart, David wanted to believe someone was there. Well, welcome back to Real Life with Pamela Lau. I have here today Lauren Smith, who I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a moment, to start us off on our next series as we talk about a short story um, that 
you just heard the first two chapters of, and which I will say has not been titled yet. So I'm hoping my listeners are going to help out with that part of things. But before we go any further into talking about these chapters, I want to introduce to you um, a, a wonderful young lady named Lauren Smith. Lauren, can you just give us a brief background of where you're from and what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I'm from San Diego, California. I go to California Baptist University up in the Riverside, kind of San Bernardino area. I'm finishing up there in November, which is super exciting. Also super close and a super weird time to graduate. So it's That's kind of sure. everything at once, but I'm very excited to kind of get going in my career. I'm a healthcare administration major. So I was going to ask you. Yeah, so, and I'm minoring in business. So I love healthcare, but I also feel like my strengths are more so in business and leadership, and so that's kind of where I'm trying to find where that middle line is, for sure. And what are you doing for a summer job? I'm sure my, my listeners would love to relate to you in that way. Yeah, so summer job is kind of something a little bit that's weird right now. I was going to be doing an internship over at Kaiser, and then with everything going on, they kind of pulled that for safety reasons, obviously. So I'm currently working at a little surf shop down in La Jolla. We also have a Coronado location, so... Super fun, easygoing job. I love the people that I work with. It's been it's been kind of a really good experience and a really good time for me because I feel like this was God's way of telling me to slow down, take my last summer before I go into this, you know, very professional, very career-driven life that I have excited in front of me. Awesome. Well, great. Well, thanks for being here. Um, I'm really excited for us to talk about this as you help me break some new ground yes. uh, on this podcast. So Lauren, um, you met my first two main characters of the story, mm-hmm. David and Ben. And so I'm just curious, your first take as you read through um, their exchange and David's confession, like what, what came to your mind when you read it? And did you relate to anything about those characters? Yes, I related to a lot of it, and I think that a lot of the kids in our generation can relate to it too. I feel like we are definitely a generation who operates on extremes. We are either going all for it or we're just totally against it, and I feel like that's kind of become a really big part of what our generation is and what we've kind of been known for. And so I definitely saw myself in the story that I read. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian preschool, Christian school all of my life until sophomore year. And that's when our school shut down. We didn't have enough funding and it was Sophomore year of high school. So you were literally from the time you were in preschool till sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. And same school too. It was like everything was together and... All of my friends I grew up with since preschool, everyone I knew was just so close. Our church was our school, and it was just like where every everyone was one. It was definitely a time of amazing community and family, and that was kind of what our, what our school stood for. And then our school shut down. We just didn't have – there was a lot of change in leadership, and there was just kind of a lot going on at the time. And so we ended up having to close our doors, and that's when I went to – um, public school, which was Claremont High School. And that was really a time when I was very bold in my faith. And I think it was because I wasn't tested in my faith until that moment. Okay. Can you give me a, an example of what you mean by that you were bold in your faith? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So when I went to Claremont, I was like, is there any kind of faith club here? Something that I can get involved in. And at the time, 
It's a very interesting story. So the girl who was leading Christian club was actually an atheist. <laughs> and she what? was, yeah. So she was an atheist and That's she great. was doing this to um, have her name as leader of the club as she applies to all these different colleges and schools. <laughs> And I coming wow. from a Christian, yeah, it's very, very interesting time. And so I come from this Christian school where I grew up, you know, <laughs> with Bible classes and with everything. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you're an atheist so and you're like, running like, this club? How did she even tell you that? Like, yeah, it was like I had a conversation with her and I asked her about it and she was like, yeah, no, I'm not really religious, but it's really just a club where we kind of come and we eat pizza and we just <laughs> hang out. And it was like the whole water polo team would just come because Christian club, they brought pizza and they would just kind of sit around and talk. Wow. And so she had no religious foundation at all. The people who were previously running the club, they were Christians and they came from the church and everything. But she took over the club as an opportunity to kind of just have her name as as leader of of a Christian club and she was applying to Berkeley and all these different places and so So she wanted she the wanted, name and the experience. She wanted the name and the experience but none of the responsibility. And I was <sighs> like that just cannot like that just cannot be how our faith is represented in a school that needs it. I mean when I went to Claremont I didn't know one person who was a Christian when I got mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And it was so different from being at my Christian school where I was constantly only surrounded by people in their faith. And so in that only. environment, did your faith get strengthened through the testing or would you say that it got weaker or maybe I'm not even using the right adjectives? For no, you? I think that it was, it was both at the same time. It was kind of like, I'll relate it to working out. So like okay. you exhaust yourself a little bit and you get introduced with that doubt and mm. then as you push yourself through a workout, your muscles kind of tear. And then as you rebuild, you regrow and then you grow stronger in that, in your strength. And same thing with my faith. And so I was always bombarded by so many questions, so many people questioning who I am, what do I believe? Who is this girl who just came in into junior year and she just thinks that she has her whole faith and spiritual life figured out and she's just... I was nothing like my friends that I met there. And I think it was a good experience, but it, it was what caused me to have the doubt that this guy speaks about. It was what caused me to ask the questions because I never had to ask myself okay. those questions. Can you look back and remember, relate to David a little bit or relate to when did you, what kind of questions did you ask yourself in that time period? Oh my gosh, it was just so much. I had so many people asking me the, just the, very common one mm -hmm. of if God is so good, why does he do bad things? Okay. I had very, very, you know, deep questions such as, is homosexuality a sin? Am I going to go to hell if I, if I, you know, engage in homo? Mm -hmm. So it was everything. It was everything from just questioning who is God. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I got every single question in the book. And I actually, from that, when I took over Christian club, I said, Let's have a series where we literally all write questions on note cards that we have. And I'll do my best to answer mm. them. But I'll try to in incorporate verses of scripture and everything to answer those questions. Mm. And, you know, I think that was the biggest time of growth in my faith. Because I was introduced with this doubt and I had to look for the answers. Because not only for myself, but to provide them to other people and to kind of give them 
an idea and some kind of perspective. Even if they don't agree, that's so fine. If you don't agree, that that is okay. We're just opening up a conversation and mm. we're having a discussion about it. So it sounds like you actually, during that time of testing, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like you were pushed back, but then there was a strengthening that happened. Is exactly. that what I'm hearing? Okay. Exactly. So now going into a little bit of where you see this conversation between mm-hmm. God and the enemy. Mm-hmm. Now I've called it the voice of love and the voice of destruction. Just yeah. out of curiosity, what's your, re- what's your reaction to those two titles? I mean, we, we, God of love and God, God of, of dis- or destruction. Voice, no, voice of love, voice mm-hmm. of destruction. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to get it confused, I think, sometimes. I think sometimes people see God as this voice of destruction, always saying you're doing the wrong thing, you're being mm. the wrong person, you can't do this, you can't do that. And they view that as destructive to who they are, who they are as a person. Whereas God, if you really listen to the voice his love and his what he wants from us is all coming from a place of love and protection. But it's very easy, I think, if you don't know, if you don't read the Bible and you don't, you're not in the Word, then you you confuse the two. Mm. You look at you look at God as this figure of judgment, and I think when people lose their faith or when they start doubting, I think that it's it's a fear of accountability as well. I mean, that was for me when I when I wasn't close to God, I was afraid. I was afraid of what I was doing and if it was sinful and I had all this doubt and this fear. And then when I was closest to God, I just saw God as this person that I could come to. So and would you say, Lauren, um, when you when you describe this time of not being close to God, mm-hmm. can you, because in this story, I show how the enemy uses voices mm-hmm. or, you know, as scripture calls it, you know, it says test the spirits, mm-hmm. right? Um, would you say when you weren't feeling close to God, um, what were the voices, the messages? What were you hearing at that time? Yeah, so I'm a, I think we share this, I'm a type uh, 8 on oh, the Enneagram. Oh, yay, another 8 on the Enneagram. I am an 8. I must attract them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also a 3. So okay. I'm an achiever, and then okay. I'm also a challenger. Is that? Is yep, that that's yeah, right. so yeah. I'm a challenger. So okay. I... The way that evil comes into my life or the voice of destruction is always in the form of you're not good enough. You are not enough. What you're mm. doing is not enough. I relate and to that. And so that is, that is how he gets into my life for sure. I mean, I've had so many different struggles, but it all comes back to not being enough, not doing enough, not having enough. How did not, that play out in your life? Oh, not good. Whenever you follow that path, it never is going to end up fulfilling. I mean, when I was younger, I really struggled with image and relating image to being enough. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that is only encouraged by media now. I mean, can you of- can you give an example for our listeners? Because I think so many young men and young women can they kind of need that story to help them to relate about image. Mm-hmm. So I, when I was younger, I was in a relationship. It's kind of where it all started. And the guy posted a picture of us and I can still remember it. And one of his friends commented on the post, you can do so much better. And it oh. is just something that oh. really just hits you. And the the guy who I was seeing at the time, he ended up cheating on me. And that's just another... I know, it's just an awful well, story. Uh, well, but this but is, it was is your how, story. It's how it happens. Okay. And 
that is how when you are when you feel so vulnerable you are so susceptible to those voices and you are so susceptible to how can i never feel like this again how can i never feel like i'm not enough and so i think i began to overcompensate in so many ways for that destruction i thought you know if i'm perfect in my grades if i'm perfect in how i look if i'm mm. perfect in in what i do if i'm so productive mm. mm-hmm. then then no one can ever no one can ever come for me for no not being enough no one could ever say you could do better exactly so for so would you disagree with my statement or agree with it that the enemy used that friend mm-hmm. of your boyfriend mm-hmm. to make that comment for sure for sure. And so and what is the truth to that that God says to you now? It's still, I mean, I know what God says, but it's living it out, that struggle. Okay, but what is the truth against that lie? Yeah, so the truth is is that I created you in my perfect image. Mm. I have created this life for you, mm. and you are you have a purpose in this life mm. to provide things and to glorify my name and to provide just a safe area where people can come to and have yes. conversations and just be real. And we don't glorify being real. We glorify being perfect in this society that we mm. live in. And I think that's something that that time in my life taught me is that no one no one comes to anyone and says like, oh, I'm just this real person and everyone <laughs> loves me right, for it, you right, know? Right. Instead, we post pictures of these perfect moments of our life. Hmm. And social media is such a great platform for that because this picture that takes you, you know, seconds to take and seconds to post is hmm. just created as this highlight reel of your yeah. life and we don't yeah. we don't live in it. We don't actually live in that reality. And so, and then mm. in social media, everything is forever. So that mm. time when that person commented that on that, that stayed there. And that right. stayed there so that the devil could say to me or the voice mm-hmm. of destruction, oh, mm-hmm. look back at that post. If you ever don't feel good enough and you just really want to see, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it just stays there forever. And even <sighs> if it is deleted, it never really goes away. Mm. And so we live in, in the society where everything that we have is amplified that, you know, you have to be perfect. You have to post these things. You have to be seen as this awesome, productive person who just gets everything done and mm. never has a moment of weakness. And we glorify mm. that. Mm. We don't glorify people to have a conversation where they're just real. Mm. Okay. Well, let I think that is such a good um, segue into thinking about the voice of love then. Mm-hmm. So in the story, Lauren, um, the voice of love says to the enemy, I created David with my own fingers. So let's just say that God's saying this about you, Mm -hmm. okay? I created Lauren with my own fingers. I made her to reflect the sensitive side of our nature. You know, he talks about the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus and himself. And then he says, um, her perspective of life is so precious that I matched a specific job for that only she could accomplish and that some of the successes in life she he still has for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that say to you? What does that say to your heart about God's love toward you? What does that where does that take you as yeah. a young woman? Yeah. So it it's truly amazing. I it amazes me constantly how much love God has for us. To love people so much, to let them walk away and engage in what we engage in on a daily basis and still 
be this person that you're like, no, come home to me. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not a mother. I don't, I can't relate yet (laughs) to that motherly love. Right. But from everything that I've heard, it's just the most intense love Mm. that anyone can have. Mm. And God is both of those people. God is that fatherly love. God is that motherly love. Mm. God is that, that Mm -hmm. that friend. And Mm -hmm. it's just, I cannot imagine loving someone that Mm, much mm. and to be loved that much Mm -hmm. that's the amazing part is we give love but some for some of us it's hard to receive love I know for me Mm. that's where God gets us is it's like you're not worthy not God (laughs) that's where the voice of of destruction I know I'm sorry the voice of destruction gets us is saying you're not worthy of love and Mm. some of us just don't allow ourselves to receive love we can, people can give us love, but to receive it is different. And so to have God as just this constant voice of every kind of love you can imagine. I mean, there's different words in Greek like phileo love. And mm-hmm. is, is that agape. how you pronounce yes. Agape phileo, love. Yeah. Agape. And Eros. so, mm-hmm. yeah. And so can you imagine someone loving you all mm. at once and all those mm. different areas, every single aspect of that mm. all at once? And that is God. And that's just so incredible that someone created us in that and to give love like that. And too. to give, to give and receive. And, exactly. And so as part of this, um, and as you'll see as, as you get to read further on in the story, mm-hmm. one of the ways that my main character finds out about what's going on in, behind the scenes and in the spiritual world is that someone wiser says to him, you need some, you have some decisions to make. Mm-hmm. And one of the decisions, which I don't want to spoil the story, but that he has to make, um, has to do with what you just said so well, which is turning to God. Mm-hmm. So can you think of, because of the stories that you've shared, especially I think so many of my listeners can relate to that idea of needing to be perfect and that that's, mm-hmm. the, re, that's the world that everyone's projecting. Yeah. Um, can you tell a time, a story, even a short one, of when you turned to God, you made the decision, you made the choice to turn to him, and you heard his voice of love, and you were able to receive that? Do you remember anything like that? Yeah, so recently, I would say back in December and January, I mean, I've always... I've always known that God is love, but I think when your health is at stake, that's something that really causes you to stop hmm. and for you to ask God and for you to lean on him because you gen- you don't have yourself to lean on anymore when your mm. health is at stake. Okay. And so when I would say back in at the end of November and December, I was going through finals and I'm an internal stressor. I don't realize and I don't address my stress. That's an eight. <laughs> yes. Because we take yeah. it in the body. Because you say, yep. I can do it. Yep. No, I can. No, this you is say, nothing. Do it. Yeah. yeah. I right. say, I can do That's this. Right. This is nothing. I, I don't even feel stress. That's I right. Even, I don't even feel it. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it's so true. And so, and so I told myself that. And I was putting so much pressure on myself. I'm definitely mm. a type A personality. I want everything to be perfect. And mm. just the sta- having the standard of perfection is exactly exhausting enough Mm. and then you add in trying to reach that perfection and I mean it is amazing that we are even still walking to be honest if we just are constantly striving Mm. to for the some for something that we know that we can't yeah we're still walking that we can't even that we know that this is an unrealistic standard but we still strive for it on a daily basis and so I was having 
finals for my classes and it was epidemiology definitely the hardest course i have ever taken the, i've learned the most from that course but definitely the hardest course and i came home and it was a few nights before that final that i started feeling pains like in my chest and it was a very dull pain and i'm definitely like then i made the mistake of googling it right so then i google it <laughs> we all i'm do like that. oh you know i have this phone right here i can figure out exactly what this is and Never do that. Can I just, a word of advice, never, ever go to Google. Right. Because according to Google, I had cancer. I was about to have a stroke and a heart attack all at the same time. And I mean, I'm healthy. Like, I walk every morning. Right, right. There would be no reason for me to go into cardiac arrest, but I really thought that it was coming. Oh. I convinced myself that just this was it. And so, and I dealt with random pains in my chest for the for the longest time I mean I'm still dealing with them but they're definitely not as strong and so then so it started with stress from finals and then went into stressing about the fact that I was stressing and then that stress was causing me to have even more of these chest pains and they weren't like like oh that kind of hurts it's like oh my gosh like something is wrong and I was just getting these weird pains like all over my body in my chest and I've had surgeries in my chest before. Like, I mean, there's definitely some medical history there. So that was also of concern. And then having heart palpitations, not being mm. able to sleep because I was so afraid of like waking up in the middle of the night. Will I wake up? Right. Just all that fear is just all consuming. And the only way that I got through that was saying who God is. Mm. And I would recite it to myself. I would mm. wake up in the morning and I would be walking to class. What or did you I say? Would, I said, God is love. Mm. God is comfort. You spoke this out? Yes, I spoke yeah. it out. Power I needed to. Yes. Because I couldn't just think it anymore. Because thinking it wasn't acknowledging it That's on good. a regular basis. That's right. And I wish that I had it in front of me. Like I wish that I had, because I had four statements and I'm really trying to remember them now. But I was saying... God is love. Mm -hmm. God is comfort. God is safety. God is, you know, just perfect, mm. perfect. He created me in perfect mm. image. God has a plan. God is healer. Mm. And it was just all of them that I would just have to recite myself because I knew that me trying to get through this on my own was not working. And so I needed God. And it was such a we don't realize how far away we are mm. from God until we are in such a desperate and vulnerable place that we say, oh my gosh, oh, the only person who can, who I can lean on right now, who understands mm. what I'm going through mm -hmm. because he created me is God. That's, That's so it. good. I can't even explain. I can't explain to other people what it's like to have that fear because no one really knows your struggles and right. knows the depth of what you're going through, like your creator. It's like how they say you need your mother to care for you when you're sick, but your mother can, can you know, bring you food and bring you soup and, you know, sit there with you. But God knows how you're feeling. He can literally go to that place where you are and just yes. come by you. Yes. So that That's was the most good. recent So you time. turned to him and you yes. heard his voice, and I, but you engaged with your voice. Exactly. And I, I had to. That's the only way that I could to recite on a constant basis, God is healer. God is comfort. Mm. God is love. God loves me enough and has such a purpose for my life mm. that whatever I'm going through right now, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to what he has for me. And so that... That's how I got through it. And I still, 
I still have it every once in a while, but it's nothing like the fear and the anxiousness that is just unexplainable. So using the language of this story, you really do know the difference now between the voice of destruction and the voice of love. Mm -hmm. And as we just end our time together, I want to just read to you what the voice of love says how his response is to the voice of destruction because in the story he says i will destroy any faith david has left in his spirit and the voice of love says as i continue creating david's faith i will test it along the way and because of my resourcefulness i allow your temptations for such a time as this may his faith not fail and so lauren for you i hear that same that you went through that same spiritual battle mm-hmm. and god said of you may her faith not fail and exactly. you and you agreed yeah i mean it was those times of doubt exactly like what is explained that david is going through in the story it is those times of doubt that we We can't run away from it. We can't just say, oh my gosh, it's too much. It's too overwhelming to explore Mm. this doubt that I have. If you run away from it, then then you're letting him win. You're letting the devil and the voice of destruction win. Mm. But if you go into it, I mean, that's that's why that question series in Christian Club was so beneficial, not Mm -hmm. only for for everyone else but for me right like me because it, for you. it forced me to run into it i didn't have a choice mm. i was held accountable to everyone else in my club we started i don't even share this but we started off with five people in that club and by the end of the year we had 65 people wow coming to that club weekly because it was based on what it was supposed because, to be because yeah. it was based on but also because God was using me. Mm. And that's it. It was not me. Mm-hmm. It was not me walking in there <laughs> right. and being like, okay, guys, time to pray and we're going to go through this little message. No. Yeah. God was doing something and mm. I know it because it that was not. Well, that's that was not very encouraging only. story for sure. Yeah. And so that is why I think we need to run towards it. If we don't run towards it, then we're, then we are accepting defeat. All right. Well, that's a great way to end this, actually. Yes. So thank you for being here. And before you go, can I pray for you? Yes, please. All right. And then and it, my listeners should know, too, that Lauren is here visiting our daughter, Gabrielle. So we're going to send her off on her way back to San Diego with a blessing. So Father God, your word says that your children are your royalty. And so I thank you for this queen that you've placed here lord and i pray god that as she speaks your praises into your marvelous light that you will protect her and keep her from the kingdom of darkness from this day forward lord thank you for this day and for this podcast amen amen